Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always. And uh, it's episode 60, if you're keeping track at home. Jolan, there's not a ton of things in my life that I've done 60 times, um, but this podcast is now one of them and added to uh, the Mount Rushmore. Episode 60, I'm going to go with Otto Graham, uh, who was probably the last and only quarterback in the history of football to wear the number 60. And he has got to be on the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland at e- Cleveland Sports because he was a five-time Pro Bowler for the Browns, and he led the Browns to three NFL championships. That seems impossible. I mean, we've seen we, Le- LeBron James is on the Mount Rushmore. He can go to Cleveland and do whatever he wants for the rest of his eternity for winning one title. This guy won three titles for Cleveland. Uh, so, Otto Graham episode. I'll go a little Bryce Jenkins episode, too. My offensive line buddies from Wesley University. It was his birthday yesterday, May 19th. Happy birthday, Bryce. Joined by my co-host, Jolan Bayokla. Jolan, what's up, dude? Happy birthday, Bryce. Um, Otto Graham actually played for the current Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, their franchise is transferred. But I'm going to go with another Cleveland Brown draftee, Sean O'Hara, number 60, who uh, went to the Giants 2004, won a Super Bowl with them, Super Bowl 42, and obviously... One of the best around here to snap the ball. Absolutely. And the Giants have been looking for a player like Sean O'Hara since he left the team. And uh, that search continues as their offensive line is sure once again, especially in the guard position, uh, likely to be a question mark as the year goes on. Uh, We are joined today in the studio by none other than Mr. Robbie Myers. Robbie is a good friend of ours. Uh, We've known each other for, I don't know, 10 years at this point at least. And uh, he's always been a good friend and was... A great quarterback for Ponton Lakes High School growing up, and uh, obviously a mentor. And him and I have kept in touch. Robbie, Jolan, what's up? He's underselling it. Robbie's a two-time state title winner. Led the team to what, a twenty-two and one record over the course of your starting career, and didn't want to play college football. We're joined by Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, what's going, what's on, going on? Nothing. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, listening to the show. You guys are doing a great job. Um, so super cool to be here. Um, episode sixty. Going with my hometown team, New York Jets, to Brickashaw Ferguson. The last time the Jets were able to make a run, strong offensive line. Um, he held it down for us. So episode 60 to Brickashaw Ferguson. Well, and this is great, right? Because Robbie's win-loss record in those two years was very similar to his touchdown-to-interception ratio. I believe his was 23-2. to two. Uh, 23 touchdowns to two picks, I believe. If that's not exact, that's pretty close. You got the stats on you, Rob. And he's <laughs> now raised the bar, Jolan, for guests that walk into the studio. Yes. He brought his own, who the, who this episode is named after. We haven't had a guest do that yet. He didn't even bring his own. He brought me mine. He gave Goose. He gave you yours. <laughs> he literally walked in the most prepared man in the room. I'm trying to come prepared. That's trying, awesome. Trying Absolutely. And uh, another wild week in sports, Jolan. It just never fails. I told you, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, what is going on in the sports? What do you want to talk about today? So we could obviously start in the baseball aspect of we things. We could. With the injury of Max Scherzer with our New York Mets, our beloved Mets. So we could go over a couple things. Let me just ask you guys. Do you think this Mets team is good enough to sustain success without Scherzer? Not with DeGrom coming back, obviously. Just Scherzer, not in the picture right now. DeGrom's still on the IL. Can this team sustain success? Um, I, you know, Jolan, I am a believer that they can hold down the fort. I, I think, again, you run through, and most teams, you can go one through four, and then five is generally like, yikes. I mean, you, you're generally playing maybe a bullpen game every fifth day, but you've still gotten that rotation. you still got uh, uh, Chris Bassett. you still got Carrasco. 
You've got David Peterson's probably going to get called up if he hasn't been called up already. McGill is going to come back from his bicep little issue. I think he just lifted too hard at the gym that day, uh, to be completely honest with you. But there's good news coming out about him. So there you go. There's your four starters right there. You've got Taiwan Walker as well. So even McGill, just say he's still hurt. You've still got Taiwan Walker in there who can be serviceable. You've got four guys that can be serviceable in Major League Baseball. And then that fifth guy, who knows? Maybe they call up a rookie. Maybe they just let it be a bullpen game every fifth day. I think the starting staff will be okay. It's not going to be great. I think our offense needs to take it to a different level a little bit. Got to continue to see the evolution of Pete Alonso, who's been who's been great. I'm not ready to panic on Francisco Lindor. We uh, Starling Marte, I wanted to see him be a little bit more consistent, but guys like Marcana have been great. Escobar's got to start hitting the ball a little bit better than what he's doing. He's playing awful third base. Brandon Nimmo has been everything you dream of in a leadoff hitter. And Jeff McNeil, I know the idea is that Jeff McNeil's hitting so well right now, you want to move him up in the lineup. I actually want to keep him in the seventh spot because those guys in front of him are getting on base and he's getting opportunities he's not going to get at the top of the lineup. He's going to be the guy that needs to get on base instead of the guy that's driving in runs. I like I like what this Mets team is doing right now. Catcher position's a little weak with... Uh, uh, McCann obviously on the IL for for a while, uh, but Nito's serviceable, and uh, Mazika magic baby That's like it. Patrick Mazika comes up and just delivers. Feels like every time he comes in the game, it's in a big spot. And yeah, he, he pulls through in some some way, and some way and leaves Gary Keith and Ron speechless, which <laughs> as we know is something that doesn't happen often. So I think this Mets team is going to be okay. They need to just weather the storm. They can't have like you would you and I. I've referenced this a lot to you, Joel, on the. 2018 June that the Mets had when they went 5-20, and and it was literally the worst June in Major League Baseball history. They can't have that. But can you go 10-10 and in a month? Can you go, you know, 14-13 and in a month, even 13-14? and Can you just find a way to be serviceable? I think they can. They've got a seven-game lead in the division. I think they'll be all right. They can handle themselves. They've got a big West Coast trip coming up. Do you think now, Rob, even when DeGrom does come back, this team can take it to the promised land? They can continue what they're doing? Absolutely. I think you're talking about the best pitcher in baseball with DeGrom. Um, it's nice to say that we have two aces in Scherzer and DeGrom. Um, I'm not sure that it's as smooth as it was in the beginning of the year when we were hitting well and the pitching was dominant. Uh, I do think that they have enough pitching, um, starting pitching, to kind of get them through some innings. The bullpen has been shaky at times. Um, if Diaz can continue to be consistent, um, that's also a benefit to help us close out games. Um Watching Pete Alonso smoke the ball yesterday was unbelievable, so hopefully that continues. Uh, it would be interesting to see, again, how they continue to use him at first or DH um, with the Dom Smith. I agree. I'm not panicked on Lindor. Uh, I think they have a lot of nice pieces right now. Um, it's still early on in the season. There's no, re- no reason to panic. Um, I don't think it's going to set them behind too much. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see, again, how they get through this. Uh, but, again, once the Grom comes back, uh, all of my stresses uh, will, will be gone. Well, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the season, right? You go into the season, you have these guys in your rotation. We didn't know how good Bassett was going to be. We didn't know how good Tyler McGill was going to be. To an extent, to we kind of knew what they were made of. He was an all-star, but again, how many people in this room have the Oakland A's on their baseball ticket package every year? <laughs> Not many, right? Like it's, it's just one of those things where we didn't see a ton of them, so we don't really know. But the one thing you did know, which Scherzer and DeGrom at the beginning of the year, was that two of every five days you had probably a greater than 85% chance to win the baseball game. And you love those odds. It's 40% of your games. You know, I'm not a math major, but like it's you know, that's that's pretty good. And now all the you know, those guys are gone. So yeah, it's a little rocky, but when DeGrom comes back, now you just jumped 20%. Now every fifth day, you're looking at it like, yeah, we got a really, really great chance to win a baseball game today. No matter what the offense does, Pete Alonso does he go for five, go to Golden Sobrero for that day, you have a shot. 
yeah. it feels like we're also missing a big bat besides obviously Pete. Do you feel like the contract that Lindor is being paid out right now, do you think that he should be hitting better when he's at the plate? More home runs, more doubles, going for gold. Or do you think what he's doing right now is fine? Well, I think, right, we, we talk about this all the time, that it's a long season. And we kind of have to keep reminding ourselves of Not that. Not that long. A month just went by real fast. That's great. But it's we're still just a month into the season, right? We still got... I, if Francisco Lindor... He could hit he could hit 045 for right now. If he hits 320 in September, I don't give a damn. Like he did last year, right? Fair we point. saw him get off to the hot start this year. He was fantastic. He's doing everything. Now he's slumping yet still finding ways to help the team. He's reached base safely in his last eight plate appearances. The Mets are 8 and 0 in the last eight games he's played that he has reached base safely. It's just one of those, I'm not going to hit the panic button because even slumping, he's finding ways to help this team win and and finding ways to be a leader amongst that clubhouse. And obviously, you know, Mad Max is that leader. And, so, you know, they have other guys in that clubhouse. But with him gone now for the next six to eight weeks, somebody's got to step up and be that leader in that clubhouse. Rob, what do you think? You think it's uh, too much money? No, I, I, I think Ryan brings up a lot of great points here. And I don't think, I think it's early on in the season. We shouldn't panic. I think baseball, right, it's a game you're either hot or you're not. Um, luckily, we have some bats in the lineup that can pick him up. Um, I think outside of, again, outside of the batting and at the plate, uh, what he does in the field, the leadership, the kind of getting on base, those things that he does, those intangibles, um, will help us be successful. And again, uh, we have a lot of other great players that we went out and got, we've had on the roster. So the hope is that they can kind of pick him up until he gets going, he can get hot. And then I think once we get this whole lineup going and we really see a full Mets team, because again, I don't think we've really seen a full healthy Mets team yet. I think it's a, a team to be uh, concerned about as we head into the playoff push and certainly when, he gets, when we get into the playoffs. And they're not playing their best ball, but they're winning games. Why, right? Like, they're winning games because they're resilient. Close ones. They've got leadership, and that leadership sta- starts at the top of that dugout with Buck Showalter. Love, love Buck. They have won games because Buck Showalter is just flat-out smarter than you. You know, like we talk about... So, for the casual listener, what does that sure. mean exactly? Buck Showalter understands the game to a different level that other managers don't. He knows rules. Um, there was the uh, attempted... Uh, what was the play? A couple, couple weeks ago. Dead like ball. A, like a balk? They, uh, they, they tried to check if, if the runner from third left early, and J.D. Davis stole second. And you're not allowed to then check third... If you throw the ball to second, so it's like you have to pick as a team. What it's it, it's it's a rule you're going to see once, maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. And Buck Showalter had his guys prepared for that moment. That's one of the things, Joel, on you hear. And I'm not comparing Buck to anybody because he hasn't won anything yet. He but, has an amazing track record. Right, he does have a great track. Record. I think he's helped us steal a couple of games right now. Just again, based on his knowledge and his management skills, I love what he's done with Pete in terms of the DH. Yep. And I know Pete isn't necessarily happy with it, but if you, I think. A couple weeks ago, I looked at the numbers. You break it down. I mean, the numbers he's putting up when he's DH and compared to when he's playing first are ridiculous. Those, you know, those are the things that you look at. That again, that's what you want your manager to do, right? Put you and the team in spots to succeed. And I think he's doing that so far. Um, I think he's done a good job navigating that. And everybody knows it's not easy to be uh, a manager or a coach in New York, let alone for the Mets <laughs> with the history that they've had. Um, but I think he's handled everything great. He's got a great personality. And again, I think as we go out through, go throughout the season here, he's going to help us win games. Um, that are tight and, and put us in good spots to succeed. And that's the thing, is great coaches in any sport, you can run through lists and lists of guys in the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. They have the, What's the number one thing you always hear? We're always prepared. 
We're always prepared for anything and everything that's going to come our way. We may not execute on a given night or a given pitch or a given situation, but we weren't unprepared for the moment. And that's what Buck brings to this team. I want to give a shout out. We have an avid listener, Brock Cruz, out in uh, out in California. His buddy Colin Holderman got called up. Is now a reliever for the Mets. Has, has looked really, really good. Brockosaurus's buddy. <laughs> yeah, Brockosaurus. <laughs> uh, Brock Cruz. Shout out to Colin Holderman. That's his best. One of his best friends. Uh, he'll get to catch him when they go out to the West Coast. But uh, yeah, the Mets need arms and they need they need a bat. And Brock I think the Mets. I think the Mets know that. I think mm-hmm. the Mets know. Uh, they're not blind to the fact that this team still needs improvement, and, and that will happen. And Stevie is going to be on the phone. Stevie Moneybags, baby, he's going to he, he's going to go out. I think he's in the win now mode, um, you know, with with Duncan Cano, and and I think that he knows what this team needs. He's not afraid to go out and say it, and I think that he's willing to do anything it takes to get this team over the hump and, and get them to where. Again, where he expects them to be and where the fans want them to be. Well, we didn't really go over this in the prep work, but do you think our expectations as Mets fans should be a bit mitigated? Because this is only year, what, two under Steve? Year one under Steve? Well, I think it's all about, I I guess mitigating is a good word. So, you know, I'm, I'm not talking I'm, to you. I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not with the Mets fans that are like, oh, this is like 86, we're going to the World Series. I'm also not with the Mets fans that are like, this is 2007 when we blew an eight-game lead in a matter of like 10, 12 days. 86 team doesn't let Mark get hit like that and not charge the mound. Oh, just, stop. I, that, we're not B's, getting... He's asking me, he's like, oh, do you run out there if you're up there? Yeah, you do. No, no, <laughs> you don't. What is it, bro? Everybody knows that. In, in, in my opinion, in, in pro sports, nobody actually fights. It's all show. Yeah. What are they going to do? Every, you're going to continue to get hit. They're the most hit by pitch team in the league. So then all of a sudden you go, you're suspended, you miss a game. I don't think it's worth anything. Uh, but to your previous question, your previous point, uh, I think there's excitement now, right? I mean, yeah. you finally have a guy who's going, who's willing to go out and spend money, real money, to go get big-time players. You got Lindor, we got Scherzer. Um, so, I mean, I'm not ready to, to start, you know, booking my calendar for the parade yet. Uh, you know, I'm not ready to take off of work. Um, but I do think that, again, he, he's putting us in a spot where there's excitement. It's good to have excitement. Um, and hopefully the team can, again, continue to perform. And, and live up to those expectations. They make it to the postseason, right? All you got to do is get in. When you get in, you can maybe make some noise. You get a good matchup. You play well. You get hot. Um, let's just let's just get there. Let's get in and let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I mean, can we get Joel on back? He fell for Moltner's bait as as worse as anybody could have fallen for Mo- for Moltner's bait. Here's Moltner is good at that. Yeah. Bait. It's true. But he. Hold on, hold on. If you're trying to be the big bad guy, you're threatening to put people in hospitals, and now you have the chance to. I mean, he did respond, three-run shot at the end of the game. So, yeah. But at the same token, you can't be threatened to put people in hospitals and not even walk out of here. No, 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 hold here's on. My, here's my take right. on that. We just won a game. He doesn't need to put people in the hospital. He right. just hit a three-run shot, took his anger out on the ball. Point. Thanks for the home run. Thanks for the win. You can keep throwing at us. And whatever. he also said, you guys know, if I if I wanted to, I could put somebody in the hospital. He didn't say I'm going to put somebody in the hospital. He said if I could. That's the same thing like me. Well, yeah, Joan, I could go knock somebody out on the street. I Am I going to? No, no, no. Stop. <laughs> stop. You fell for the bait. It's okay. You can come back. He did not have to go fight. Joel, what's the punishment if he fights somebody? Say, I don't know. What we lo- Hold on. We lose him for six games. We lose him for 12 games. We lose him for three, two he's, or three series. We don't win yesterday, right? Uh, that's a fair point. There fair we go. I'd, I want to win baseball games. Stop falling for the bait. Yeah, judge could go fight somebody, and they're still going to win 9-8. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Stop falling for the bait. That's actually leads us into another segue. Let's talk to the Yankees a little bit. Great. We've already talked to Doors contract at $34 million a year. Let's talk Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole specifically. 
Is that man worth the money he's been paid? Nine years, I think you said $324 million, if I'm yeah. mistaken? Yeah, right. nine years, $324 million. Is that settling to you if you are a Yankees fan right now? No, I'd be completely unsettled, and I'd be bothered by the lack of production we've gotten out of Garrett Cole. When you sign Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $324 million deal, and you sign him for $36 million a year, you expect him to be the best pitcher in your city. When they signed him, he wasn't the best pitcher in the city, and now he could be th- he could be third or fourth when healthy, now he's I, I, he's got to be what? He's got to be second or third, whatever. But it, when DeGrom's healthy and when Scherzer's healthy, that man, he's fighting for fourth best pitcher in the city at $36 million. I, I, I do not like his mental fortitude or lack thereof, and I'm just not a fan. He should be writing his checks, sending them right to Nestor's house, uh, instead of making Nestor take the train every day. So, Rob, you had commented on his, before the show, obviously, you commented on his, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, temperament. Mm-hmm. Do you think that should be toned down a little bit? Is three-minute delay here and there? Yeah, I, his... I think he's looking for excuses. Um, I think I think right now he's not pitching well. Um, he's not living up to the hype when he was brought in. And, again, everything... Uh, is kind of blown up because it's in New York and it's the Yankees, um, which is not easy for everybody to come in and deal with, right? Uh, so I agree um, that the check should be going to Nasty Nestor. Um, shout out to my friend Vin Halloran. He is a huge Nestor fan. He's got posters of Nestor all over his room. Really? He, oh, he's a huge Nestor fan. Um, but I think Nestor's done a tremendous job. I, I think that he just goes in. He does what he's supposed to do. He pitches well. Doesn't say much. I think Garrett Cole's looking for an excuse, looking to blame somebody. Um, he clearly is feeling the pressure of New York, the pressure of living up to that contract. Um, he's, you know what? Like at some point, you have to sit down and say, "I'm tired of talking. I can't talk anymore. I have to produce. I have to produce. The team is expecting me to be the ace. I let them down last year in the playoffs. I made an excuse that I couldn't get an extra three minutes to warm up when I had all day to warm up before a game. Like enough is enough. When be a pro, come in here, do what you're supposed to do." And, and make yourself work the contract that they're paying you. Well, and we got to forget, too, we're seeing a different Garrett Cole, right? Like, and, and we have to take the casual baseball fan back to when he came up with the Pirates and, then went, to, the and then went to Houston, right? Like, he's got to cut his beard when he comes to New York because that's some stupid 1945 rule. Um, that's, a, that's a completely different podcast. Regardless, he's a different guy. Like, I remember watching him with those Astros teams, and, again, those were the cheating Astros and everything like that. He was a fiery guy. You would see the emotion in the first inning, not just the fifth when he got out of a tough jam. You'd see the emotion in the first couple innings, and you just don't see it anymore. And you're right, Robbie. I think he's kind of folding under the pressure of New York. Does this something that concerns you with the long-term aspect of the Yankees? Like even this year, going into, let's say, they win the, their division, they go into the postseason. Is this someone you want to start every three days, every three games? Uh, I think if you're if you're going into the postseason in a week, I think you're starting Nestor game one, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, I think he's proven himself. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, again, it's a long season. You know, this has always been my point is that, you know, guys go through hot and cold streaks. Um, and I think, you know, Garrett's kind of, you know, not again, not living up to the hype. And it's hard to live up to the hype here. But, um, you know, he's got he's to figure himself out. I think he obviously has all the ability in the world to do it. Um, but he's got to kind of take a step back and just focus on, you know, himself and getting to where he needs to be and stop worrying about the other distractions in the media and everything else. Yeah, and the other, coach. the other, yeah, and the other component of that postseason talk, Jolan, is the every three days. I don't trust Garrett Cole on two days rest or three days rest. I don't. I think he needs the full rest, unlike these other guys you see go out there and heave out their arms. Max Scherzer coming to mind with a dead arm last year. Like, those guys I trust to go on short rest. I don't trust Garrett Cole right now to go on short rest. I'm sure by episode 70, I'm sure he's going to have a stretch where he looks like the Cy Young. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. But again, 
these are guys that every year, every sport, you fall in love with because when they get hot, it is it's spectacular. And then you get to the postseason, and it's just blah. It's mm-hmm. it, it is it is not exactly like James Harden, but it, there there is a there's a similarity of the playoff factor there of like when things get tough and games get big. Where does he go? Generally, comes up on the smaller side of things while he puts up great numbers in the regular season. We'll see. I, I think he can turn it around, but he better hope so. Yeah. Well, he's gonna be he's gonna be the only one in New York having a miserable summer. Yeah, he, he All of dragged, us are gonna love the summer. Is, in yeah, New York. absolutely. He got dragged last year again after that playoff game, and I think that, that didn't sit well with him. He had to wait the whole year and then to come out and have the start that he did. And I think uh, right now the pressure's building on him. Um, so again, yeah, he's got he's got to kind of figure himself out. And Jolan, what does pressure do? Creates diamonds or burst pipes. There you go. Boom. Um, so that basically wraps up baseball, New York baseball, that is. Obviously, other things going around the league. Uh, Mets have a grueling six-week stretch out west. That's all stuff we'll get into at a later date, of course. Yeah, they're out in Colorado right now where it's snowing. Yeah. So that's I mean, good. They got snowed out. And what you say? It was 97 degrees? It was day? 92 degrees on Thursday in Denver, Colorado. And on Friday when the Mets are scheduled to come into town, five to nine inches of snow. Only the Mets. But let's stay Mother in New Nature, York. get it together. Different sport. We got Rob here. It'd be disheartening if we didn't talk Jets, obviously. So let's start. Let's get right into the meat of it. Start at the top of the podium. Joe Douglas, what do you think? Podium, excuse me. Love Joe Douglas. Love what he's done with the team. Love what he's done with the roster. He's put us in tremendous cap position. I think he fleeces everybody in trades. He traded uh, really a linebacker um, in Jamal Adams uh, who can only <laughs> blitz. Um, you know, sorry, I'm a little Didn't bitter about, yeah, yeah, a <laughs> little bitter about, uh, Jamal Adams there, but, um, you know, I think that he did a great job acquiring an extra pick. I mean, you look at what, what the guy did. He got three of his top eight players in the draft, went out and got arguably the best running back in the draft, uh, in the second round. Um, he's going out, he's finding talent, Jeremy Rucker, local kid, um, on a, on a team who's been in national championships. That's one that knows what a winning culture is like, uh, Jeremy Rucker, Clemens, a kid from Texas A&M. Um, they went down the Senior Bowl, the old lineman, Max Mitchell. Um, I love what he's done there. Free agency, he's bringing in some big names. We didn't have Carl Lawson last year, unfortunately. Um, you know, he went out and got Tomlinson to shore up some of that offensive line. Uh, Corey Davis, again, I got, coming from Mike McCagnan, who was notorious for drafting 26-year-old first-round picks from unheard of <laughs> D2 and D3 schools, um, to have this and, and to have a culture where it seems like the coach and the GM are on the same page and, and guys want to be here. They're committed. They're not just taking a paycheck. Um, it's it's kind of refreshing to say that as a Jets fan. Or John Isaac, yeah. that, that yeah. name resonates, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, okay. So at what point do we start <clears throat> measuring Joe Douglas on a win basis? Because we've seen the past couple of years him really put together a more complete roster than what he inherited. Mm-hmm. At what point, is it this year, is it next year, is it the year after, do we actually put Joe Douglas on the hot seat, it's time to win football games? Definitely. I, I think uh, I think you know this year you, you definitely want to see. It's a good test, unfortunately. Um, as the Jets are trying to get better, the AFC is unbelievable this year. Um, they have a brutal start to their schedule. Uh, again, we're starting a lot of rookies, a lot of second-year young guys. That um, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be a great read this year. I hope that the Jets can continue to grow and get better. Um, but again, I, I mean, if you look at past Jets rosters from well, like 09-10 when they were in the playoffs, then you look after. I mean, you know, nobody's really done a great job with, with, with this roster, and I think that. Um, this year and next year, it's fair to start judging him on wins and losses. It's really his team. It's his cap situation. It's his draft picks. Um, and I think, again, he's he's matched up with um, Robert Sala, who I know the defense struggled last year. I know he's supposed to be a defensive guy. Um, we're, we're building for something, and I truly believe that. 
Uh, usually our favorite part of the offseason is, 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 is the offseason as Jets fans. You know, that's our Super Bowl because we're usually out of contention for the Super Bowl <laughs> by, by week five. Yep. So I, I think I think you're going to judge Douglas a lot on this year. Uh, a lot of that hinges on Zach Wilson's development, where he stands, and, and can guys stay healthy and, and help, like Robert Sala said, this franchise elevates you. Can can this franchise elevate him? Ryan, what do you think? Do you think this is the year to start uh, judging Joe Douglas off of wins and losses, or maybe one or two more years? Yeah, it's probably this year. I'll just go over the schedule Robbie was talking about. It's pretty difficult to start the year. Uh, you've got the Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, Broncos, Patriots, Bills before you hit your bye. Uh, and I believe that that Packer game oh no, that Packer game is uh, they're not playing them overseas. Uh, regardless, I think it's got to be this year. Uh, we've we, we're finally seeing the pieces around Zach Wilson, and you know I, I told you like a guy like Dan Orlovsky, who I respect a lot from ESPN, uh, has done a great job. Didn't do a great job playing quarterback in the NFL, but I mean hell, he's still got there, right? He's still you know pretty famous and up there. He you know he said Zach Wilson's got, I believe his words were second best uh, situation around him for a second year quarterback and only behind Mahomes who had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and everybody else and their mother. And I think, but this is what we talk about Joel on, right? GMs, head coaches, they get married to a quarterback. You get married to a quarterback and your success is, is, is mirrored in what's going to happen in their career. It goes hand in hand. And right. It goes hand in hand. And all you can ask as a quarterback is, hey, you set me up with the right pieces around me. You set me up with weapons and give me a chance to go be successful. And every quarterback's got every confidence in the world that they can go do that. Zach Wilson's got that this, this year. He's got to go out and do it. That actually segued into a perfect question. If you're Woody Johnson, you own the New York Jets, and you have a bad year, do you cut bait with Joe Douglas and keep Zach Wilson because of his rookie contract? Or do you let a new GM come in and let Zach Wilson go off? Number one, you got to come out of the Rock in London, where he is right now, wherever the hell he's hiding. Well, he's now, now, now he's upgraded to making TikToks. So oh, oh, yeah. good, good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> regardless, <laughs> no, I, I think, I think this isn't a quick bait marriage, Jolon. Like, I think you give this marriage a couple years, you let Joe Douglas continue. You know, continue to develop. I don't think it's a one-year thing. You know I'm not big on the one-year thing. Same thing, you asked me a question about Sauce Gardner last week. Uh, you know, Is I, this the year he breaks out or bust? Is this the year yeah. he breaks out or bust? I don't think so. He's a rookie corner in this league. He's got a lot of tough matchups. Ruling schedule. But again, we talk about pressure creates diamonds or it makes things burst. That's, that's the way it is, and I'm excited to see... Weird to say about the Jets, but I'm excited to see what they can put out on the field and how competitive they can be this year. Let's get a quarterback analysis from the quarterback, Rob. What do you think here? So I, I think that uh, you know Douglas was was paired up with um, Sam Darnold to start. So you know that's from a previous regime. He had to do what he had to do. He thought he you know again when you come in just like the Giants are doing right now with Daniel Jones, right? You come in, you see what you have, you try to give him as much opportunity as possible to see what you have. Um, clearly, I'm and I'm, I'm a USC fan. Um, so I'm disappointed Sam didn't work out here with us. Uh, I don't think he had a great head coach and supporting cast with him. He's not working out um, at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, hard for me to vouch for him. But, you know, Douglas comes in. You know, he's got a guy who, who it was almost forced upon him. I feel like Adam Gase was forced upon him by ownership. It wasn't a great marriage. wasn't a great match. I think, again, like I said before, this is this this year you have Zach in his second year. He got injured last year. They didn't have a lot around him. It's a first-year OC in Lafleur. I know he was in. He was there in uh, San Fran um, with Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan's really calling the plays out there, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot of things 
that are going to contribute to the success this year. Zach Wilson, after the injury, looked great down the stretch, took care of the ball, was smart. You got Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. You have Uzama. You have you have upgraded the tight end room. You have two great running backs. So you've put everything in place with a second-year OC in the same system. I think that he's set up for success. So I think this year starts the clock on Douglas and Salah, and I think Wilson too. And I and I think Wilson has unbelievable talent. I think he's a natural. He's got natural arm. So, again, let's not rush it on a, on a rookie quarterback just yet. The hourglass is definitely flipped for sure. Right, right. And, and this is going to sound like the easiest thing to ever be said on any podcast in the history of the, of the sport. You hit a great point. And the other New York quarterback can take a page out of this. Take care of the football. Value possessions. Live to fight another damn down. Like, it, it just, it, it sounds so simple, right? It should be simple. You learn it from when you're a kid. Take care of the ball. And for whatever reason, you know, and again, we could go back and forth in this offensive line, a whole bunch of things. The other quarterback in New York, Daniel Jones, has been unable to take care of the football uh, since he came into the league. And it was a concern in college, and it's a concern now. It's a great point. You just said offensive line. Let's stay on offensive line. Oh, now Mekhi we're my bread and butter. We have to talk a little. Makai Becton, obviously super underwhelming for the spot he was drafted and the expectation with his size and all that. Do you think he's the left tackle to start this year, or do you think fans are in that spot? No, fan is 100% the left tackle to start. I think the Jets are not happy with Becton right now. He didn't show up to OTAs. Yes, I know his wife's pregnant. Um, and obviously, you know, the family comes first, but I think they're fully expecting him to be there. I know he's working out with Duke Mayweather in the offseason. He's posting videos. Um, I know he had a great rookie year. He had a lot of flashes. He was a rookie. He struggled at points. Awesome. Um, I, I think last year, you know, he's, he got rolled up on. He got injured. It was supposed to be like four weeks. Next thing you know, he's out the whole season. Um, one of the concerns of him coming into the league was him keeping weight off. He's a huge dude, freak athlete. Um, I think he's a right tackle. I think Fant stays at the left tackle. I think it's a proving year for Becton. I don't think the rumors are is that Douglas really loves him. He wants him to stay. The coaching staff doesn't want him. You can't give up on you can't give up on a guy like this. I mean, he's just a freak athlete, freak human. Um, I think he solidifies the right side with Vera Tucker. Uh, I think Tomlinson goes to the left guard. McGovern serviceable in the middle. Um, you know, we've gotten some good depth. We picked up uh, I forget his name from from the Eagles, the guard. Um, so I think that we're building something in there. Uh, but I think I think Beckton has a nice year this year. I, I really do. I think that our our tackles are solidified. Um, and again, you're he's in a prove it year because you know that contract's going to come up sooner or later. And if you're not working here, you know there's always somebody else that's going to take your spot. There's always that next tackle coming up. Um, I would say as a Jets fan, it hurts to see you know Worfs uh, sitting there doing doing so well down in Tampa. Uh, but everybody has that right. Well, that's everybody everybody well. always says the guy before or after. Oh, we should have taken that guy. You know, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, so. I am excited for Becton, but uh, I think it's Fant's job to lose, and I think that it's going to take a couple of times uh, or a couple of bad games for Fant to get pulled and Becton go back. And if you're a Jet fan, right, like teams do open practice every year, I'd be excited to go down there and see Jermaine Johnson the second against okay. Mekhi Becton in training camp. Like, that's just a little more of the advanced football fans will go will go watch the O-line, D-line one-on-ones because not everybody finds it the sexiest drill in the world. It, mean, it, is, the, it is the World Heavyweight Championship to us. It is... Rocky versus Drago for us. That that is our main competition. And obviously, as a lineman, you're more in tune to what's going on down there at the football. Absolutely. Let's stay on offense for one more second before we go to the defensive ball. Garrett Wilson. Does he change the complexity of this offense? Is this the home run guy you need? Is he the Jamar Chase essentially of what the Jets want to do? Uh, Jamar Chase is a stud. I wish we could have Jamar Chase. I don't know if he's at that level yet. Um, coming out, I'm, I, I, you know, like I've mentioned, to you guys before the show, I'm a huge USC fan. I love Drake London. Um, 
I think it's really important as a quarterback to have a huge target that you can just throw the ball up to and be comfortable with. Especially in the red zone. Yep, absolutely. So I was really hoping we'd get London. Falcons took him. Um, but I think Garrett Wilson brings a whole different dynamic. You know, uh, I, I think he could take the top off the defense. He's athletic. He can go up and get the ball. I mean, you saw the one catch in the end zone he had. I mean, he contorts his body. He's He's got great ball control, um, great ball skills. Uh, I think that he's going to add a whole different dynamic. I mean, who are you going to double? Who, who are you going to double? You're going to double him. You're going to double Elijah Moore. You got Corey Davis. You got Braxton. Um, you know, you got Uzama, who can run a slot. You know, I mean, we who who are you going to double? I think that it adds a whole new dynamic, and you can't anymore sit over the top and say we're going to double this guy, match up over here, go have fun. You know, get after the quarterback. I think that it, you know, the system helps Zach get the ball out. And I really do think Wilson's going to be exciting. I think anytime you get a new skill, young skill guy, like Elijah Moore was like the talk of camp last year. I think Wilson's going to be the talk of camp. Uh, I, I love it. I really, I love the pick. Like I said, I wanted London. I'm happy with this. I think uh, he's, you know, the really the matchup. And I know, Ryan, you had said Johnson and Becton. How about Sauce and Garrett Wilson lining up going one on one? Oh, baby. Personally, I think Elijah Moore is your guy's one. I actually don't see Corey Davis in that offense as much as some would like to hope. Obviously, coming off of injury last year. A lot of Barrios on, yeah, Barrios on a three year deal now, so he's obviously going to get the slot reps. I just see Elijah Moore and uh, Wilson taking over from the outside. And I got to ask, Robbie, that has to feel like deja vu, right? To, from when you were sitting in the Pompton film room watching game tape and having Drew Rayford and Corey Flynn on the outside and Jose Arroyo at tight end and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of slot guys and saying, who are you going to double? Yeah, that's it. You know, you want to have you want to have a lot of weapons out there. And, you know, back to the Pompton days, we did have a lot of weapons. I mean, we rolled through them and you could give it all. You could hand it off. You could throw it. It didn't matter. They're going to go up and get it. But definitely in the NFL, I mean, you look at all the teams are successful, yep. right? Like the Chiefs, I mean, they have guys, they can roll guys out left and right, right? I mean, the Rams are ridiculous at their skill position. So, you know, it's a passing league. You have to be able to get guys that get open, you know? And, and again, it's hard to cover a guy who's running a 4-4 on a go route or to stay with him if the, if the D-line's not getting there. It creates windows. It creates problems. So, the, again, the successful teams have how many players, right? They're not just worried about the one. Um, you have to create mismatches and you have to find those zones. And I think the Jets, again, Douglas has done a tremendous job of saying, we have given you talent. Can you do enough to produce for us to be that franchise quarterback? And that's what I love the most about a guy like Garrett Wilson. The talk of Garrett Wilson is a lot about his catch radius. And, Robbie, you could speak to this as well. Like, as a quarterback, that catch radius, it means a lot to you. It means you ain't got to throw a perfect ball every single time. Definitely. You, you don't have to throw that, that dime in the bucket that's going to be number one or number two on SportsCenter every night. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can afford to underthrow guys, and they'll come back and make a catch. You can afford to you know, maybe throw it a hair to the left or a hair to the right, and he's still going to make the catch. It makes it a lot easier on the quarterback, and yeah. There, there is, it's interesting, right? Because there should be a massive amount of pressure on Zach Wilson. Like, he's being given the keys to a Lambo and saying, don't crash the car. Like, there, there is a good amount of pressure on him, but it just feels like, uh, you know, it just feels like, obviously, with baseball being as good as it is, and we'll see as, as it gets closer to football time, it, ju- it just doesn't feel like that yet. It's just a, like we're talking about it, but it just doesn't feel like it's gotten to that national that national attention yet mm-hmm. because there should be a lot of pressure. Like he he is set up for success, unlike previous regimes that we've talked about and mentioned that, you know, Jet fans would rather bang their head against the wall than than repeat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and that's and again, like uh, I think the media, the national media, and everybody wants to look when, when there's a Jets story that's bad or negative or they're going to stink. They couldn't. They love talking about how bad the Jets were. The Jets weren't going to win a game. You know, it, it's, it makes national, national news. All of a sudden, the Jets started assembling a competent roster, and now nobody wants to talk about it. Now I have to listen to Brady Quinn uh, talk about how bad Zach Wilson's going to be and he's going to be out of the league 
And then I saw a screenshot on Twitter of Brady Wilson's stats. Uh, I'm sorry, Brady Quinn's stats. Um, so you know, I, I don't. You know, yeah. So you know, so I, I'm tired of listening to, to to people talk bad about the Jets. Do they deserve it in certain aspects? Absolutely. But again, it goes year to year. The Bengals were coaching in the Senior Bowl, and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. So you know, I'm not going to sit here as a Jets fan and tell you that we're going to be in the Super Bowl or we're going to make a playoff run. But I also don't think we're going to be at the bottom of the league. Um, anybody who pumps the Jets up too much is is lost, and anybody who tells you that they're going to be terrible bottom of the league is lost as well. I think we're going to be a 500 team. That's realistic. Uh, but again, I'm tired of the media um, taking shots at the Jets and taking shots at Zach Wilson. He is he's come in. He's done exactly what they've asked him to do. Um, he hasn't been arrogant. Hasn't been cocky. He's flying around the country, meeting with guys to get better. So again, for a guy like Brady Quinn to take a shot at him, it, it bothers me, and I, I don't want to hear about Brady Quinn anymore. Um, and what he's got to say about Zach not Wilson. a shot at not a shot at Zach Wilson, but we'll never forget the Tebow shirt off and the running in the rain. We'll never forget that clip no, no. on the, the national media. Yeah, we don't we don't claim the Tebow quarterback <laughs> era with the Jets. No, Brady Quinn also knows a thing or two about leaving the league early, so yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe he's just talking from experience. <laughs> we'll flip sides of the football. You had already mentioned Sauce Gardner. Do you think that was the right pick at number four to change the direction of the franchise, or do you think you should have went a different direction? Had um, a couple guys on the board still, Icky. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't, th- like I said, I, I think that the Jets are happy with where they're at in the O-line room. Um, I think a lot of that depends on what Becton's going to look like. I don't think they were willing to commit to the fourth overall pick of saying, hey, we already have kind of a stack. Because, again, if you have fan at tackle, Becton at tackle, all of a sudden you draft the guy from NC State. Um, okay, you already have two guards, so like now you mean to tell me the guy who you picked 11 overall is going to sit on the bench? Like I, That just didn't make sense to me. Um, I thought we were going to go pass rusher. Uh, I think that Salah's defense, they feel like they have enough on the O-line. They didn't have, I'm sorry, the D-line. They didn't have Lawson last year. What a tremendous um, camp. Yeah, I was going to say, he was having a great camp, unfortunately, Achilles injury. Uh, but I think that they went with Sauce. They matched him up with DJ Reed. Um, I love Hall. I think that they got some really solid guys that they're saying, we're going we're gonna to create coverage sacks, not pressure sacks. We're going to create coverage sacks. We're going to lock it down. You're going to cover this guy. You're going to cover this guy. We're going to take away half the field. We're going to let our dogs go and get him. So I, I think, I really, coming honestly, the only guy I wanted was Drake London. I didn't really care who they took it for. Uh, I just wanted somebody who, who's a good player. I think Sauce, um, I actually am glad we got him over Stingley. I think Stingley's great. Injury history concerns me. Um, flashback to D. Milner, uh, you know, out of, oh, out of Alabama. Yeah. Again, Yikes. writing on the wall for that one, that one made me very nervous. Um, Poor draft class entirely, though. I think 2013, oh, yeah. right? Yep, yep, yep. That was not a great class. But again, I think uh, I think Sauce does some good things. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see again to see what he is. He's a rookie receiver, so is he going to go out there and shut down Justin Jefferson? Absolutely not. But I think every year, every game that he can improve and see that kind of talent, uh, I think he's going to be in the league and he's going to be a good one. Ron, do you like the value cornerback at four? I do. Well, and especially when you get a chance to rip the Giants' hearts out, because <laughs> I wanted, I had, I wanted Sauce Gardner the entire way. I wanted Sauce. Uh, because I think we you need good corners in Wink Martindale system, and that's uh, the Giants' one big, 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 massive uh, weakness outside of my opinion. Uh, their running back and quarterback combo uh, as a whole in their offense. Well, Bradbury helps none. Um, but yeah, you lose cornerbacks, and 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 you need them in Wink Martindale because Wink's going to bring the pressure. Wink's not going to change. He's been in this league probably since dirt was invented. He's not going to change his defense. He's still going to be the same aggressive guy he was. So the Wink Martindale you saw with the Ravens, you're going to get in New York. And, you know, our young corners and, and our guys that we sign off the street, you're going to have to, they're going to have to man up here. Like they, and, and literally they're going to have to play a lot of man coverage. But, yeah, I mean, I would have loved Sauce at four. Um, I thought, obviously, Thibodeau and Neal, I thought were really, really good value picks. And, 
I mean, Neil was on my board from Jump Street. I mean, the fact that he fell to seven to me was just ridiculous. He's a freak, freak athlete. Thibodeau's got a big personality. Um, I think he'll be fine in New York. And But, you know, it's going to be interesting, and I'm excited to see how Sauce Gardner does because we talked about he's going to get He's going to get some really good matchups. Going through the ringer. Robbie, we talked about this last week. Like, you got to you got to relax with these guys. And 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 again, this is in the, if we were in this podcast in like Kansas or like Ohio. Like, yeah, like I want to I want to hear you either get really high on a guy or really low on a guy. Mm-hmm. But here in New York, everybody does that. Mm-hmm. So we need more people that got to be like, "Yo, slow it down." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's going to have some pass interference. He's going to have guys that you know, get on him or, you know, beat him and you know, he's going he's gonna to make mistakes. It's going to happen. He's a rookie. You know, again, like, he's he's going to grow. But we got to we, – we as, we as fans got to pump the brakes and and let the kid develop. And really, you know, again, I give him two, three years and kind of see how he develops. And, and, again, we'll see. He'll play good games, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he shuts down Stephon Diggs that first matchup in the season. Maybe he, sh- maybe he finds a way to shut down Tyreek Hill. I don't know, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill the guy, you know. Like I just watched Stephon Diggs be. I got told, I got told Trayvon Diggs, the corner from Cowboys. corner from the Cowboys, should have won MVP, and he got torched more than anybody in the league, statistically speaking. Interception merchant. Yeah, like you know. So I give Sauce time, let him develop. Again, he's he's another one. He's got a good personality. I like him in New York. It's gonna be fun to watch mm-hmm. him and. Just let the kid develop, damn it. I, I can't wait for, for the first time Sauce gets beat for a touchdown in the NFL and all the all the social media and thing. You can pin this comment right here. It's going to be so corny when they go, and Sauce gives up the first ever touchdown. Like, yeah, like do you know how hard it is to cover people at a Division One level and not give up a touchdown? He played Alabama. He's done it. It happens. It's part of the game. I think you just got to let the kid develop. I love what they did with the draft class. Very excited for it. Um, you know, people rush. People rush to, to assumptions. I mean, it just, like I said, it, it bothers me, especially in New York. It's all... Overblown. Um, just let the let him play football. Just let him play football. Obviously, the Jets traded back into the first round for Jermaine Johnson. Do you guys see him having an immediate impact on this team? I think he's going to have an impact. Um, I think the Jets have some really strong pass rushers. I think that they're going to use him in spots, and, and eventually, um, a couple weeks in, and definitely by the end of the year, he'll be a, a big time player for them. Um, but I think that he's going to be a, a mismatch, and, and kind of like I said, on the offensive side of the ball, who are you going to double? Um, you know, you got Quinn Williams, Carl Lawson. Uh, you know. Johnson, who, who do you double on the D line there? Who, Co- Coach, who, how many times yeah. could I cut yeah, block this right? guy this week? <laughs> yeah, right. Like who, who, who are you double teaming? Yeah. yeah, who are you taking out the knees there? I mean, I just, <laughs> I don't see who, who you're double teaming. And um, Quincy Williams, if you've never seen him play, that guy is shot out of a cannon and is you, linebacker, you, brother Quinnen. Mm-hmm. He he plays football to hurt people. He he does. And then you got C J Mosley in the middle. Um, Hopefully you know, he can stay healthy this year. Say, yeah. If he stays healthy, unfortunately him. he he really hasn't been what he was in in Baltimore. Um, that's just the Jet way. Le'Veon Bell was a Hall of Famer before he came to the Jets and Adam Gaze's offense. <laughs> um, but uh, again, like that's just that's just a bitter Jets fan in me. Um, but I, I really think that the the D line is going to be much improved. I think it's going to be a better defense this year um, than than you've seen in previous years. Solid defense is predicated on pass rush. We have pass rushers. We've gone out. Safety's a weakness. Um, you know, uh, Marcus May still. still no, around. he's he's gone. May's May's Is gone. He? Yeah, yeah. signed with the Saints. We got the guy from the Bucks. Who's it? Whitehead. Yeah, um, he yes, came in. Yeah. He's physical. Right. He'll play. He'll play down in the box. Um, I don't think we really have a great guy over the top who's a ball hawk, which is why um, I'm glad we didn't call Kyle Hamilton. I think he's a great player. I don't see the value of that at four. We're not a we're not a team who's a safety away. Um, so I think that we have some really good pieces. 
again, I just I just want to be in playoff contention. I I don't want to be I don't want to be in draft pick contention by the end of October. I want to yeah. be in playoff contention at that. Celebrating point. losses by November, right? Exactly. Thanksgiving. And yeah. that's the thing. Like saw like that defense has to be better. That is, you know, that is his calling card. And again, another guy, much like Zach Wilson, that has more pieces and more, you know, ammo now to go out there and and be successful. So, um, again, like I wouldn't if even if they don't have a great defensive year, I wouldn't kill Salah. I'd let continue to let them go. But again, maybe that's just the relaxed nature in me. But you know, again, if that defense comes out in first quarter of the season, they're letting up twenty five points a game. I'm not going to be the one putting his head on a stick, but somebody else will, mm-hmm. you know, and that's going to be a lot of, you know, New York reaction. And obviously there's a bunch of other positions we haven't right. got over. Tight end, they added a bunch. Uzma, Conklin, obviously their head coach is established. But let's get o- into the over-unders of the AFC East. We sure. the NFC East last week. Rob, you join us for this session. We'll start with the New York Jets. Vegas has them at 5.5. Last season was 4, over or under? Uh, I think they're over the 5. Um, I think they hover in around 7. Um you know, they, I, listen. They last year they went and they beat the Bengals and the Titans, and, and Mike White was a quarterback for the Bengals. So you know, it's the NFL. I mean, you know, these guys are professionals. They're good players. Um, I think we can squeak one out. You know, I think we get the Browns, and I think Deshaun Watson will be suspended for that. Is what I'm understanding. I might be wrong. Um, a minimum four games. Yeah. The NFL you know, and, and as the season goes on, teams get injuries. Things happen. Um, you never know. You know, you catch it. You know, we catch the pack. I know they're the Packers, uh, but you catch the Packers coming back. I think they play in Germany the week before. You know, going to that there, coming off that on jet lag and, and a short week, you know, we, we might be able to get them on a win there. So uh, I think we're hovering around the seven mark. Eight would be great, um, but but I think the six or seven mark is, is really the fair shot for that. Ryan, five and a half. Yeah, and I just want to make a quick comment on the uh, Deshaun Watson thing. And I, and I know the league's doing what, what they suppose is right. They're going to make a decision here pretty Pretty soon. This I'm a is Sean Watson hater. I'm just gonna flat out say that. Don't that's that's fine. I don't, you're not the first. You're not the last. I, I think there's a lot of people on that bandwagon, and you know there's 230 million reasons why. Um, but they got to make a decision here soon. They are. They there's a lot of facts that are already out there that would already say, hey, we can just suspend him for X. And if there's more, you know, that's what Major League Baseball did with Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Right? They put him on leave, and then. At some point, boom, you know, drop the hammer. So they got to figure that out. I have the Jets over. I think they get to six or seven. I think that's a sweet spot. Um, You're right. I mean, there's always a surprise every year, you know, so maybe they go, maybe they go snag the Packers at Lambeau. Um, You know, maybe they find a, find a way to steal one in, uh, in New England. You know, uh, I think they go up there in the back half of the year. And, uh, you know, again, they always play Miami tough at home. I think that's probably, that's, that's a, that's a good get. Uh, in my opinion, like I think uh, I would probably take the Jets there. Yeah, I think they get to six or seven, and and they play some fun football. I think they're gonna be playing fun football into uh, into November, December, and early January. From Florham Park, we work up to Foxborough. New England Patriots was at eight and a half last season. Was ten. Rob, we'll start with you. Patriots eight and a half over under. Uh, I like their under. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I like the under. I know Belichick's still the coach. That defense is gonna always be great as long as he's there. They're always gonna be prepared. They're gonna find ways to win. Um, I think Mac Jones is a system guy. Um, you know, McDaniels is out of there. Um, it's a new offense, new look. They don't necessarily always have the playmakers. I feel like their system really worked because they had Brady, and um, mm-hmm. McDaniels did a great job of, of calling plays for them. Um, I think they're under. I, I, unfortunately, for again, as a Jets fan, the Patriots start to fold, and here come the Bills to the top, right? But I don't, I don't see the, the Patriots. Um, their defense will keep them in games, but I don't think their offense produces enough to win games, so I'm going to hit the under on that. 
Ryan, we go to you. Foxborough, they're set at nine and a half, eight and a half, excuse me. Yeah, I'm going to have to go under, I think, just because even in my head, like I'm thinking about it right off the top. Let's just stay in division. I think they lose one to the Jets this year. They always religiously lose one to Miami. So they, there's two, and I think they lose two to Buffalo this year. That's four. Your four losses already, you know, coming out of your own division. you got road games at Pittsburgh. Lord knows they, the AFC East schedule. They crazy. also have to go to Lambeau. Uh, they're going to play the Browns in October. Lord knows if Deshaun Watson will be there. But, like, you got the Colts. You know, the Vikings are always tough at home. They're like a 14-year-old kid on the road. Um, the Bengals come to town. You know, so I think it's under, and and you're right. Losing McDaniels, I think, is a lot bigger than a lot of people have been talking about uh, because Belichick is the overarching system there. So I, I just I don't see them... I don't see them doing much this year. I got under under eight and a half. We'll actually stay with you for the next one. Oh we boy! Talked a little Miami before this conversation. Before oh Robin god, I'm so sick here. and tired of talking Miami. To an under throw. We have or Vegas rather has them set at eight and a half, same as New England Patriots. Last season they were at nine. Another team looking to degress. Do you believe what it? What is it this year? Eight, I, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh boy. Two is on the throwing football. I on my video. Get out of here. <laughs> and there's a reason the social media guy got fired for that, by the way. Hopefully Tua recovers by the Jets game with his torn <laughs> rotator cuff on that throw. I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go under because Miami just finds a way, even with all these expectations. Mike McDaniel's coming in. Another guy from that San Francisco system. But we know Kyle Shanahan's the one Kong plays. We'll see. Mike McDaniel's a weird dude. A farm over he, there. He, he seems like a very like different type of dude. Last guy that gave New me... age, if you will. You're I don't know. Exactly. The last guy that gave me like really like weird vibes was Adam Gase when he did that little eye thing at the press conference. And obviously we saw how that turned out for New York. They're also under investigation for that whole Stephen Ross thing. He may have to sell the team. That team is really weird. And then they just pay Tyreek Hill $30 million a year. It, they're a really weird bunch. And I think they'll win some games. They'll look flashy at times. I just don't see them getting over that. I'll, you know, I think they win eight games. It's fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't see a lot out of Miami. So going under. Under. Yeah. Rob, what was the mark? Eight and a half, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I think they're under. Um, you know, I think that they're kind of a mess right now. Last year they were one and seven to start the season, I believe, yep. right? Oh yeah. And then they kind of went on that tear. Um, you know, I was actually a fan of Flores. I thought he did a really good job there. I want um, him for the Giants. You know, I, yeah, I thought he yep. did a good job. And, uh, you know, whenever you bring in a guy from San Fran, the offense, you know, the new system, um, I'm not not sold on Tua. Uh, I think when you're throwing the four and five stars all over the place uh, at Alabama, um, it changes things up. Uh, you know, but, again, I, it's, I don't. Th- I think Tua has ability. I'm not sure he's he's a franchise guy in this league, to be honest with you. Tyreek Hill scares me, but that's why we have Sauce Gardner now and, and uh, DJ Reed. I just, you know, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I mean, to go out west to go to the Chargers. Um, you know, and then, scary. Again, yeah, you know, you know, you're looking at some of the teams that they're playing. Um, I'm, I'm just not sold. So I'm also going to hit the under on that. Um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the Dolphins this year. Now, the now the bright side for Tua is this is as much like college as he's gotten. Right. Like Gasicki is a fo- like he, he would be what considered a four star tight end. And you've got Waddle and you've got Tyreek Hill, who, who are both speedsters all over the yard. Tyreek would obviously be the five star in that situation. So he's throwing to the best supporting cast he's had. And again, another guy that, like, here, you've gotten weapons, like, go out there and please, for God's sake, and the franchises do something. 
let's just before we get into the Bills, do you think Tyreek Hill is in a situation like driving a Lamborghini in a school zone? Do you think he's going to unleash his full potential this year? No, or? no. He he went from being in a Lambo with the coolest wingman next to him to now riding the minivan, picking up all the kids from soccer practice. That's where Tyreek Hill just went from, in my opinion. That's yeah. he went from the coolest guy in the league and Patty Mahomes to now Tua, who Lord only knows what you're getting. To a shaky quarterback situation, to a situation that's absolute. We go to Buffalo, who were set at 11 and a half from Vegas last season. 11, it's a big number. You got to think this one through. Gosh, yeah, you? I'll go because I'll be the quickest. Uh, it's over because the Buffalo Bills are good at football and got Von Miller, so they are now even better at football than they were last year. I'll take the over. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not much to go off of uh, in terms of in depth, but uh, yeah, there, there's definitely an over here. The Bills are good. Um, I think the offense starts a little bit slower because Dable's not there, and it takes time to adjust to the new system. Um, luckily, you still have Josh Allen, who's an absolute physical freak. They bring a lot of guys back. They improve the defense. Defense is strong. It also it also is miserable to go play up in Buffalo anytime after October. There's a home factor there. Hammer the Bills on the over. And if they win a whole bunch, they get home field advantage. You likely got to go up there, and it's negative 20 feeling. Yeah. Good luck. So that basically wraps up the NFL for now. Let's stay into football. But move to the NCAA aspect. Ryan, there's some news to come out with Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean Nick Saban just came out of left field completely, like a streaker in a you know in a baseball game. Don't curse. Just came flying out <laughs> and uh, just decided to criticize. He went after Jimbo Fisher for the way Texas A&M is handling and/or paying their players, and even made a brief mention about uh, uh, Jackson State, where Deion Sanders is at. Uh, over there, recruitment of Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country, who, to my knowledge, is the first one to pick an HBCU over you know these Power Five conferences. And uh, well, Jimbo didn't take too too carefully to that. And uh, there was a quote. Uh, he he was reading some analogy or something like that, and Jimbo said at the end, he goes, "Maybe somebody should have slapped him." And I listen. If we could forego the game on October 8th and just watch those two fight each other in the middle of the field, I'm down for it. That game is in Tuscaloosa. There's going to be blood. There's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be late hits. This is this is the kind of football game, I don't know about you guys, I loved playing in when there was a lot to hate about the other team. There's a lot of smack talk before the game. And uh, and then when, it, when the whistle blows, you're able to settle it. And we're going to see the best athletes in the country on the field. At, at all given times. Rob, do you think this kind of levels the playing field for how other schools now are able to recruit as well as Alabama? Or do you think Nick Saban's almost concerned with how the other teams are able to do what he's been doing? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Saban's concerned because he feels the pressure now. He realizes that, you know, it's not just about how much you've won. Um, yes, that plays a factor, but, you know, college kids want money, man. College kids want money. That's just why you're seeing these bigger markets pop up and, and kids are going there. That's why the kid... Who was the you know Addison? Who was just at Pitt? Jordan Addison. Um, yeah, you know he, he's the Blinnikoff winner. You know he's going out to LA. He wants to make some some money. Caleb Williams goes from Oklahoma out to USC. He's going to make some money. He's getting free Dre beats for everybody. If you're a USC athlete, you are getting hooked up with some Dre beats. So uh, I might have to reach out to Caleb and say I'm a, I'm a USC athlete. I, I do have a fifth year of eligibility. Maybe I'll go take some grad That's courses. And, yeah, uh, be I got to get out west. Which is so. even more wild in hindsight when you realize Apple bought beats. So now Caleb Williams literally doing deals with Apple. So mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. Do you think there's going to be a downside to this around the country? Do you think some of the smaller schools that don't have the USC, Lincoln-Riley poll, like, oh, come to L.A., we have the best coach, we have the best campus, we have the best women. Do you think some of the schools like 
the Oklahomas, the Texases. The Pitt. The, even the LSUs in Louisiana. I mean, Louisiana's pretty fun, but do you think some of those teams that don't have the scenery, really, are going to compete with these other guys? Well, LSU's got to – they're going to market their nightlife a little bit better. I heard the nightlife down there is pretty yeah. – it, it's pretty wild. Yeah, down oh, yeah, there. No, that's what yeah, as, as Coach O would say, the great state of Louisiana. But if you're 18 years old, are you going to the bayou or are you going to California? Uh, I mean – it all depends on time of year. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's really going to create a gap. To be honest yeah. with you, um, you know, you're looking at a, a Georgia Tech. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a Washington State, a Washington. Um, you know, you're looking at a Nebraska. You know, I mean, if you if you tell an 18 year old kid that you know, hey, you want to you want to come play uh, down in, in Miami, make some money where you know it's warm, you got the beaches, or you want to go to cold cornfields in Nebraska. You know, I, I think it's I think it's not leveling the playing field for the conference for the schools that are the mid lower. Um, I think it's really going to set the bar for these bigger schools, the schools that can afford that, the schools that have the donors. Um, I'm in favor of the kids getting paid. I think it's worth it. I think all the time and effort they put in, um, but they got to figure out a way to regulate this. They got to figure out a way to get ahead of this because, um, again, I'm, I'm laughing at the the whole Saban Fisher thing. Um, I love the fact that these guys are trying to play it off like they have been innocent, that they haven't known about right. backdoor deals. It's comedy to me. Right, um, yeah, it's comedy that, that all these kids just want to come there for because it's Alabama. Um, everybody knows what goes on here. The problem, the reason that Saban's so upset is he knows people can catch up to him now. Um, it's leveled the playing field. Teams can go out and do that. I also appreciate Jimbo Fisher trying to be very innocent. It's the kid that, <laughs> that said he told me to do it. Um, Jimbo Fisher Florida at Florida State. State. He had enough problems there. Grab legs. Um, yeah, you know, particular. somebody. I saw an interesting. Pay James. Yeah, exactly. I saw an interesting thing that like they only had in his first couple of recruiting classes. They only had like one five star one year, and then like two five stars. And, he's got, like, and now seven. he's got like eight five yeah. stars. Um, so yes, Texas. I've never been to Texas. I'm sure it's a nice place, uh, but I don't know if you're pulling these kids to Texas A&M because it's such a, a great place. I'm sure money plays a factor, but the NCAA, not to go too long, but the NCAA needs to to do a better job of making sure this is fair. So. Because, again, you, you don't want to see a disparage of, like, upper conference teams of the Michigan, the Ohio State. You know, you uh, teams want to see those upsets, and you're not going to have that. Yeah, three things. First of all, Michigan saved themselves with the Jordan deal. Otherwise, they'd be in that group of Nebraska and Washington State. They, they'd have a more, you know, uh, maybe a maybe a bigger history. Like but Michigan State, right? I mean, right. They're, they're, they're so different. Also, Harbaugh has to go for Michigan. They shouldn't have kept them. Yeah, well, he, all, he almost left on his own, yeah. you know. So, uh, and then... If you're trying to wedge a, a wedge a gap between him and the NFL, so yeah, more from Michigan. That's just my thought. And then you and then you look at it. You look at this Jimbo and Saban thing, and it's just too like at the end of the day, what is it? It's two rich people yelling at each other, and they over other people getting rich, right? And people in this country hate that more than like life itself. I don't know why. <laughs> and people just hate when rich people are just yelling at each other. And I agree with you. And Robbie, I actually think as much smack as we talk about a lot of commissioners, and as much smack has been talked about Mark Emmerich. I think he's a genius for getting out when he is. I mean, they opened the floodgates on this thing, and it is completely run rapid. And now he's going to leave next year. Your problem. Mm-hmm. It's not my problem no more. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. Now, Rob, you mentioned regulation throughout this thing. Someone's going to have to regulate it. Do you think this kind of naturally fixes itself to the point where regulation comes from the boosters that don't want to give these kids the million dollar check, the two million dollar check? Even 100K, because what they're paying for isn't necessarily producing. Like, the kids they paid are underperforming. The kids they paid have now gotten benched. Do you think those deals are going to start to rescind themselves? 
or do you think next man up, we'll just pay whoever? I think that it's, they're just going to try to go out and get every kid. I think they do that now. I think that they're willing to take the risk on the kid. right? I mean, I'm sure there's five stars and four stars that haven't panned out to be what they are. They're willing to throw the bag at them because there's another five or four star coming from that same school who tells them how much he got. Um, so I, I think eventually it's going to blow so out of proportion that somebody's going to have to step in and do something. Interesting. I think it's just going to it's going to get to a point where it's absurd what you're going to see kids and people doing. Um, again, I'm in favor of them getting paid, but I think it's really going to really hurt college athletics. I mean, California is coming out with some crazy bill that they should just take the profits and give it to like the football players, and, and they're going to kill all the other sports. Like I just, we're, the world is going crazy over this. Somebody needs to figure out a plan, step up. And make sure this goes about the right way. They're gonna have to have a word with Title IX. Title IX is not gonna let that go. That go easy. And, and again, I'm not saying they have power to, you know, rescind the bill. But I'm saying they're gonna get a word, or at least a phone call, anyway. And, and you're right. And this is, you know, this is. It, it's weird because when we, we, I remember the arguments, and I remember certain athletes who got punished. And Reggie when Bush. you think about it. More often than not, I think a lot of people were just fighting for intelligence. Maybe not this whole free capital market thing, but they were fighting like, like yeah, he should be able to sell his jersey and like charge somebody ninety dollars for it. He should be able to go downtown and get a free meal from the guy at the at the local barbecue shop. Like thing when he moves to Tuscaloosa, right? Like like things like that that just makes sense. Like because we do talk a lot about, and a lot of these athletes come from horrific situations. Where they've never had money, maybe they've, you know, I, Joel, I've talked to you about a motivational speaker that I always love, Inky Johnson. Yep. He tells the story. He lived in. He lived with fourteen people in a two bedroom house. The first time he ever went to T, uh, Tennessee, he asked to go back to his hotel room instead of to the party because he never had his own bed before. Like we, there's a lot of that in college, and we we were looking for ways for these guys to just be able to to get a break here and there. And the NCAA was just like, no. And now they just went, you know what, whatever. And now we are in a scenario, you're right, there's got to be a form of regulation at some point because this is this is going to be wild. And I think Saban, I think a lot of what he did was driven by the fact that he is trying to recruit still on the name Alabama and the fact that he's their head football coach. And it's not gonna last. It may not last another half a cycle. It's just not going to. They had Jordan it, Addison linked to to him in Texas. Yeah. Now, if you look at it right, USC up until Lincoln Riley. I mean, pff, uh, him to Alabama was a done deal. Yeah. Done deal. Right. So now he sees the writing on the wall. He's older. If this is the new wave, how many of these? How many of these old coaches who know the traditional way of recruiting are still going to stick around? Right. Do they have the energy to have to go on social media? I mean. Look at Brian Kelly down at LSU. He was dancing back to back with a recruit on on Twitter. Like it's just, it's absurd. So I don't know. I, I don't know what what the future holds. Uh, but I think it's going to be a rocky, rocky road until we really get this thing smoothed out and see what it what it becomes. And that raises questions about Saban too. He's getting up there. He's seventy years old. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying he's. You know, I think there was a. Uh, I there was somebody out there that said he's going to retire after the season. I don't. I don't think he retires that quickly, but. I think you're starting to see the beginning of the end for Saban. We're definitely, we're definitely on the horizon for him. Yeah. And it's interesting because all of these old coaches are probably going to shift out of what they know, which right. is just recruiting, just off establishment and what you've done. I think we do see a new wave like Marcus Freeman's, if you will. Great recruiter, ND, has the money to support it. And honestly, when Brian Kelly left, he's not going to miss a beat. That team's still going to be great. And all that, all things considered, I mean, 
NCAA is going to be the wild, wild west for at least a couple of years. So it's going to be something fun to get into, especially when uh, basketball comes back around. Oh, Brian Kelly's going to have plenty of time to work on those dance moves. I know they, they're not winning the SEC West, yeah. in my opinion, anytime soon. I honestly think conferences shift off of this eventually. And honestly, the crazy part is we mentioned him before, Harbaugh. He was... He was, remember, a few years ago, it was like six years ago at this point, he was sleeping at the kicker's house. He like, brought his own sleeping bag. He was doing all these weird yeah. things. And, and, and he, for a guy who's proclaimed to be a, a real big quarterback, um, <laughs> I don't think he's brought in a quarterback yet that's helped them get over the hump, to be honest no. with you. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think you're going to, I think you're seeing a lot of transition too from the old school Saban, um, Mac Brown, you know, Urban Meyer, where you want to go play for those kind of guys. They want players' coaches, they want coaches who are going to be on social media with them. Who aren't going to be as hard on them, in my opinion. You know, I think that's the transition. Um, so guys like Saban, who are older, and again, can you get on the jet? Can you fly? Can you do put the time in? You know, and especially you're battling with money. You know, if you and if you don't have money, you're automatically out of the picture. You're out of the picture if you're not a big market, in my opinion. And that's worked its way down. Like take the money out of it. That's worked its way down. Robbie, we were talking about this in prep, even down to the high school level. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you know, you're the high school uh, varsity lacrosse coach for Pompton Lakes, and you, you were talking about that a little bit in prep about how athletes. They want to be marketed mm-hmm. nowadays. It's it's a little bit different than maybe when we were in high school and even and even before that. Definitely, it's uh you know people. I think people associate something with a name. You know, you look at all the, the big time powers, right? Like Bosco, Bergen, Joe's. Um, you know, DePaul's starting to come. Uh, it's come up there within that league. Um, Paramus Catholic was there once. You know, they're they're looking for the name. They're looking Thanks for the real. market. Yep, <laughs> they're they're looking for the name. They're looking for the market. Um, coming from a small town, coaching out, working out a small town. Um, you know, I think it's really cool to be a part of that. But yeah, I think everybody wants the name, they want the market, they want the brand, and they want their name out there. It makes, you know, at the college level, it makes sense, right? You got to get your name yeah. out there somehow. That basically wraps up all things NCAA for now. Obviously, college football kicks off. We'll, we will be getting into more of the NILs. They'll find ways to make how, the media. How like, it pans out. They, they always do. Basketball, yeah. the NILs are going to be crazy, especially yeah. with the one and dones. But let's shift from football now into professional basketball. Obviously, Celtics and Heat are tied 1-1 apiece. Both games going to their side favorably. Warriors up 1-0 on the Mavericks. They play tonight. But I don't want to talk about the playoffs right now. We've gone into the playoffs a lot on this pod. I want to talk about the end of a super team. Because right now, with the departure, rather, of the Nets, there are no real super teams after Harden got ripped down and Bede lost Ben Simmons and took in Harden for scraps, honestly, and they're going to pay him $40 million. Do you think the end of a super team is good for basketball? I mean, I I think I mean you've had you have the homegrown super team in Golden State. They've kind of developed their way into being built not being a system that is just. I, I've said this like I feel like I could average at least ten points a game in their system because I'd get you know twenty open shots a night. Like no it's doubt. it's ridiculous. It, it is absolutely absurd. Um, I believe Jolan, it would have been awful for the league had the Nets won. Um, because it would have just, again, promoted this whole idea that you don't have to play all the regular se- For the NBA, it would have proved that you don't have to play all the regular season games, guys could sit out, all they got to do is show up in the postseason, and nothing else really matters. And we've talked about that for years with load management and stuff like that for the league and how much they want to make money and everything. That's bad for the league. So, um, listen, the Nets were – we questioned that trio when they first got together. And I'll never forget, we said, one basketball, two guys that want the ball, and the best player is pass-heavy. Can be pass-heavy. He, he he doesn't need, he doesn't have to be the main ball handler all the time. So, it really was an odd fit to start. Now James Harden's contract looks, I, 
Joel and I genuinely think, and and I I don't think we'll get into it today, but maybe next week, Harden versus Westbrook. Who's got the worst contract in the league right now? Westbrook. I genuinely, and then throw John Wall in there. He's getting paid forty five million dollars oh, next year. That trio is ridiculous. They deserve to be on their own wall of crap. Okay, and so you know you have that, and then Kyrie Irving is. I want to play basketball, but then I'm not going to play basketball. We'll live the life of a martyr. Um, I, I'm going to stand up for what's right, but I'm not going to get vaccinated. But then I'm going to complain that I can't play half the games. And is the guy committed to basketball? Because I don't see it. I don't. Nobody questions his ability. We were talking about this in prep. I don't. I, nobody questions how good of a basketball player Kyrie Irving is. Question is, your best avail. Your best ability is availability, and he just hasn't been available enough over these last couple of years. And if you're Kevin Durant. Is that really what you want? Is that is that who you want to be around? I don't know. Probably not, Rob. What do you think? Yeah, I you think, think it's the end of the super team. I, I hope so. Um, you know, it, yeah. It, I want to see different teams up there. I appreciate the teams that kind of build like the Warriors did. And again, I know KD went in there, and there's a lot of talk about how they they went and built that super team then with him in there. But they had, I mean, they were in championships before then, and they already had their guys. Um, I'm glad to see the super teams ending. Um, I'm tired of watching again the same guys and the same teams. Um, I think that the Nets have to cut bait with Kyrie. Again, you don't know what you're getting. You know, is he going to show up on a Tuesday night in February and play? Is he not? What's his headspace going to be like? Um, again, great, great basketball player, Jersey guy, love him. I just don't know where his head's at with basketball. K, uh, Kai, I'm sorry, KD, uh, best player, awesome, love watching him play. You have Ben Simmons, which by the way, that whole back thing was like one of the wildest sequences I've ever seen. Um, guy was going to get ready to play in a, a playoff NBA game. Next thing you know, he's getting back surgery. Um, you know, so I, I think the Nets, um, you know, they got rid of Harden. I think the Nets are in uh, an interesting spot. I mean, how, what, two, three years ago, we were talking about how this team was going to run dynasties and contend with the Heat and the Warriors and everybody else. And here they are talking about, are they, you know, what, what are they going to do from there? You know, and then on the other side, my Knicks, um, they're, you know, they're trying to figure it out. They've been trying to figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, I'm glad that the super teams are over. I think finding some balance in the league, letting teams come up and grow and drafting and, and making the right moves. You know, the Lakers did a 40 and over uh, super team this year that didn't work out for them, which I was glad to see. But, yeah, I'm glad the super teams are over. Yeah, I mean, New York, they, they were they thought the, the streak of non-ticker tape parades was going to end, and yet the misery continues. Mets fans are funny, man, on Twitter. Yeah. I, I follow a couple oh, they're fantastic. There. Yeah, they live and die. And, and they again, they, they were ready to roll out the parade. They had the, they had the calendar marked off. And, again, you know, that's why you play the games, right? You play yep. the games. Um, I love... Love what Boston's doing. Love what Boston's doing. They had Martin yeah. Smart. They had Tatum. They had Brown. They drafted those guys. Like it's 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 cool to watch. This raises my next question. OKC uh, now has I think it's here. Here's a note. They have on seventeen it. first round picks in the next they five years. But thirty eight picks over the next seven years. Do you think it's better now to tear it down and rebuild with draft picks or to acquire big name free agents like we kind of saw the Nets do? Well, the question. I mean, the hard part is though. You go to these good teams, right? And they know the value of these draft picks. Like, they know that draft picks in the NBA are not the same as they are in the NFL. You get two first-round picks in the NFL, you trade whoever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. In the NBA, it's not necessarily the same. Like, and I mean, I guess there's a price. Like, they wanted to go for a guy like Dame Lillard. Like, I'm sure, like, four first-round picks is enough. But again, like, what is that actually going to be worth value-wise? Because again, like, the team is trading to get better, which means the picks are going to get worse, in theory. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe Dame Lillard's not enough to take OKC to the top, but like, you, you understand my point is like, what what is the value of first round picks in the NBA? And other teams know this. And if you go to a smart GM or a smart owner with these proposals, 
they're going to be like, why the hell would I do this? What's the point? Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a mix. I think that obviously you can find a steal in the draft. You can get a guy yeah. who's, who's awesome. At the same time, you could you could pick a guy number five overall. He turns out to be a bum, and 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 now you're like, should we have traded those picks? Should we not? So I don't know. I think it's I think it's based on a case by case basis. It's a scenario basis. Um, you know, obviously it's easy to to take a guy who's established in the league, but you know what team is what team is going to trade a 24 year old superstar in their prime when they know that they can build around him, right? Like they're like the Celtics are not trading Tatum tomorrow, no. right? So I think it's you know usually when you can get those guys. Um, they're a little bit older, and, and you know, are they at, at the end of the career? Are they really contender? Can you win with them? Um, so I don't know. I think it's uh, it's an interesting approach. You look at the team like again, the Knicks, I and mean, they drafted all these young guys. Knox is gone. Neil, uh, you know, Frankie Smokes is gone, and uh, you know he's down there in uh, Dallas. You know, Porzingis is in Washington, right? Yep. You know, so I, I I think there's I don't think there's really outside the the lottery like the first couple of picks who you know are going to be studs. Um, I don't know. I just don't think. Uh, I think you have to go based on what you have. And, and again, I think obviously anytime you can get a superstar in free agency or trade for one, you know what you're going to get. You don't know what the picks are going to be like, right? You right. could have a, a guy who's undrafted who's awesome, and you know you never know, right? You never know. And I and I go to two teams that are separated. Their their initial letter is separated by one. You look at a team like the Knicks. The Knicks cannot seem to draft. James Dolan doesn't know how to run a team. That's great. He should Rangers. sell. We know Dolan, this. We know this. Too. We know this. He should sell. But regardless, they haven't hit. But then you look at a team like Memphis, who's gotten a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of homegrown guys, and they're, you know, they're a team that looks like they're ready to. I, I thought they were a year and a half, maybe two years early this year. Um, from a rival. From, from a rival. But I, you know, I like that team and I like that core. And, you know, they kind of built that through that. So if you're OKC, if you're OKC, I mean, realistically speaking, you have to kind of go through the draft because yeah, I, I just yeah. you're not going to attract free agents, in my opinion. You're not going to attract free agents, and like I said, if you get a guy that's good enough to carry you to the playoffs, if you're able to trade, you know, six first round picks, whatever. Now your picks can be further back, and now you're not going to get anybody to pair with them, and you're not really going to be able to build around them. So, you know, you're kind of better off taking your chances with those picks because listen, while they all while all thirty whatever thirty seven could be bust. I think there's probably a high probability that some of those guys hit. And, you know, you'll take that, especially in OKC. You just want an exciting brand of basketball, uh, keep fans coming into the stadium every night, and you kind of go from there. Yeah. I wish I wish the Supersonics would come back. Me too. Uh, yeah. My roommate yeah, in Seattle would love Seattle, that. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle needs a team. Too. West Coast. I love, see, I love watching. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm more of a college basketball fan, but to me, sometimes there's nothing better sitting down 1030 on a weeknight and you get to watch, you know, the Warriors and the Kings or, like, you know, the West Coast basketball. I think it's awesome. So hopefully they get a team out there. But, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see how OKC approaches it. I mean, I think you throw in a package and say, hey, here's our picks. Can we get a guy, you know? I mean, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Before we get out part ways, all that good stuff, we are done with our notes. Who's winning the finals? Celtics. Um, Heat. Heat. Really there you that. go. Suns. Oh, no. Nope. Warriors. Suns Mavericks, yeah. Um. I know the Warriors are getting older. They've been there. They know what it's like. Um, I, I think the Warriors come out of the West. Uh, I think the Celtics come out of the East, to be honest with you. I think if the Warriors celebrate, this is probably one of the last runs that they have in them. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. Again, like I, I don't consider myself a big NBA fan. I know a little bit. Um, enough that I, I follow and watch. Um, the Warriors, to me, are must-see basketball in the NBA. Um, I don't love watching James Harden dribble out the clock until eight seconds left and throwing up a shot. Um, there's not a lot of fun with that. Uh, I do love watching Jokic throw throw the ball around, you know, those crazy no-look passes. Um, but I just I feel like the Warriors are an exciting brand of basketball. 
Um, Steph, Clay's back. Draymond, I know Draymond gets a lot of heat. I kind of love how he plays. Um, you know, I think that this is, again, one of their last runs. So uh, I'm going to go with um, the Warriors taking it home. I hope I'm right. Etched in stone. Warriors in history. Book, book it. Book it. Look at that. Um, well, let's see. I had, what, the Warriors losing to the Bucks. So how did that really turn out? It turns out you being a loser. Right, right. There you go. Um, <laughs> Not fucking smack. Go Celtics. We didn't even get a chance to talk about, obviously, the Suns playing probably the worst Game 7 in the history of American sports. We talked about Chris Paul's 37. Okay. LeBron's 37, too, and averaged 30 this year. Where was LeBron this postseason? Where the hell was Chris Paul when it mattered the most? At least in the semifinal. That's great. It's What, what are we <laughs> I mean, giving participation trophies out here? Chris, Chris like, Paul, his, his, I know he's done a lot of good things, but his legacy, in my opinion, hinges on the, the championship. He, right there. he went from 36 to 37, and it looked like he went from 36 to 46. I agree with you, Rob, and it's super unfair because he is 37 years old, with 36 to start the season, mm-hmm. but the same token, when you get that far consistently and consistently lose, this is what you'll be remembered yeah. by. People yeah. want you to win the big game. That's it. If you're That's it? If you're an elite player, Right? How, would we be sitting here talking about Tom Brady right now in the same in the same aspect? I don't think so. No. Right? LeBron, Jordan. Um, when you when if you're that good of a player, which I think Chris Paul is, but you have to win in the big moments. You have to you have to break through at some point. Um, and and he hasn't done it yet. So which uh, I love the Pat Bev and uh, him, him beef. It's, it's really <laughs> awesome to watch. Pat Bev set him up for a nice little career after the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> and and let's be fair. I love Charles Barkley. You don't want to be on his list because no. his list is. Greatest, one of, if not the greatest NBA player to not win a ring. You don't want to be on that list. And Chris Paul, unfortunately, is on that list, and it's keeping him out of conversations that we probably could and should be having about where he ranks all time. But, uh, yeah, they. I, I just wanted to throw that nugget in there. They played literally the worst Game 7, I think, of all time. Um, the largest margin of victory in a Game 7 was 40, also by the Dallas Mavericks, I believe it was 2005, However, I did not know if Dallas. I believe Dallas was home for that. I don't Dirk? think they. I don't think they were on the road. Probably. It's got to be Dirk. It's got to be Dirk. But um, yeah, I mean that that was as putrid a performance as we've seen from a 64 win team. And uh, we'll see. They might lose DeAndre Ayton this summer, uh, so there could be some shakeup on that roster. But There's some shade getting thrown at Booker too. They were uh, yeah. They on him. They were saying before Chris Paul came over, you know, he wasn't winning anything. Now he's there and he's acting like he's a big shot. So I'm actually a fan of, of Booker's game. So I'm not here to talk bad about him. I just think it's an interesting, uh, interesting take. You know, kind of I kind of like the NBA drama. I think it's always yeah, always keeping you on your toes. Devin you know? Booker goes home to Kendall Jenner. That man wins if he loses. <laughs> he's fair, fine. Fair, he's fine. Fair Outside of sports talk, <laughs> yeah, no disagreement on that. Man. You got no disagreement here, but uh, yeah. So I oh, I guess I should make my finals pick. I'll take the Celtics. I think the I'll stick with the East winning, yes. winning the title. I'll take the Celtics. What in made six. you change your mind? Fans have to know. I mean, the Bucks are out, and the Celtics beat the Bucks. Therefore, yes. I guess you know there's some additive property in mathematics You're of the some algorithm that says the Celtics should win. I just I, it's taken literally every other team to be eliminated, but the Miami Heat for this dude to pick the Celtics. Well, he's trying to give you a little bit of love on the show. Yeah. You've, you've you've forced him into a corner. He jinxed us. He picked the Bucks. They lose. Picked the Celtics. We're out. We're done. He's forced. <laughs> I guess that means Miami's gonna. Take yeah. the series then, say, huh? Well, so congratulations <laughs> to Miami Heat, NBA champions. But no, I, I do like what you said about the Warriors. Fun brand of basketball. Draymond, I, I've said this for a long, long time in a lot of different circles. He is the ultimate. I would hate to play against him, and I would love for him to be my guy and on my team. The Dennis Rodman of this era, if At, you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just a guy that you know, he's going to give you everything he's got, and he's got your back. You could sucker punch somebody, and he's probably going to find something that that guy did wrong and, and fight him about it. Yeah. 
he's got your back in every kind of situation. That's the kind of teammate you look forward to. Now, as much as he talks, I'd hate, I'd uh, drive Playing me nuts. Playing against him, I, I would, I, I won't think I'd last past the first quarter <laughs> because I would, I would be so focused. And that's what guys like that do, right? Guys yep. that are good trash talkers that, uh, that do that. I don't know if I'd last past the first quarter because I, I would be so unfocused about basketball and just finding a way to get at him that they'd team me up and, and I'd be watching in the locker room. So, um, no, I, I like I said, the, in my opinion, the Warriors are never out just because of how they shoot the ball. Yeah. They have two of the best shooters of, of all time, if not of all time. But, you know, they're they're never out. Jordan Poole was watching him the other so night. Good. I mean, um, back-to-back possessions, the, the two moves he, moved, he made in the lane, I was just like, one, where did he come from? And two... Uh, to be able to do that on a basketball court is unbelievable. So, um, you know, the, the Warriors, again, fun brand of basketball. I think it'd be fun to see the Celtics make it um, with their two young stars and that team. I think that team has a lot of grit and toughness. It represents Boston well, right? Hard, hard work and tough town. Uh, Miami's kind of got that nice South Beach appeal. Um, you know, they got some some Jimmy Butler's got a little edge to him there. So, posh. yeah, do not pish posh <laughs> South Beach. South Beach. That's it. Bring, South Beach is a heat, little fun. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, credit. Jolan's gonna love this. I'm, I'm sure he's gonna stand up or something. You got you have to give credit to Boston because so quickly, as as Robbie and I we were talking about before, how quickly people in New York react to things and how much they want people fired right away. And and there's all this pressure and this expectation. If that Boston team was in New York, they would have broken up that team two years ago. They would have broken up that team probably after their first Eastern Conference Finals loss, and that would have been history. Boston stayed with them. Danny Ainge left. They brought. They obviously just moved Brad Stevens up the ranks. Great move. And they stayed the course. They kept the same guys, the same roster, tweaked it just a hair. Got guys like Robert Williams. He's a newer guy on the team. Peyton Pritchard, uh, the kid kid out of Oregon a couple years ago. He's he's been a sharp shooter uh, for a you guys. Running around the floor, defensively rebounding for extra possessions. This guy's a beast. And Grant Williams. Grant Williams was a great piece to to defend Giannis with last series. Uh, obviously, he was the Al man in Game Seven. At Al Horford looks like 2000, 2007 Al Horford when he was winning a national championship with Florida. Like that's you're getting great production, and you st- and Boston stuck with the process. Uh, I know Philly would hate to hear that, but they stuck with it. They stuck with those guys, and they let them win a title. The real process in Boston. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah. They've, they've they've done the right thing, and that's why that's why again, Boston traditionally has been a sports a sports title town, right? The Red Sox, yeah. the Bruins, Patriots, Celtics. I mean, I feel like every time, every couple of years, they're in, they're either in contention yeah. or winning one. Um, you know, so I mean, they're they're definitely a sports city that's to be modeled after. They have great fans up there. Um, you know, they they just. It's a sports town. It's a it's a sports town through and through. Winners win. Winners win. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, that yeah, that is it, it'll be interesting to see to see uh, to see if Boston can take that home. Well, uh, that is that is the end of episode sixty. Um, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and we talked through a lot of different things. And like I said, it, it, we all acknowledge this in prep. Like this is the best part about sports, and we acknowledge it at the beginning of the podcast. This is the best part about sports. It always gives you something. There is never a week that Jolan and I walk in here, whether it's Robbie as a guest, whether it's Moltner, whether it's, you know, any any anybody else we ever have on the podcast. There is never we never walk in here going, wait, what are we really going to talk about this week? There's always something. There's always storylines to get after. Uh, and obviously, you know, like this, all the football talk, Jolan, is fantastic. Why? Because it's all going to play itself out. 
We're going to talk about it until your nose bleeds, your eyes can't open anymore, and it's all going to settle itself out on the field, which is beautiful. So, and uh, and again, we, uh, Robbie, first of all, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been a lot yes, of fun. Thank I appreciate you. it, guys. Thanks for having me. I mean, You're you guys do, like I said, you guys do a great job. Um, I wish I could stay here and, and talk for two more hours because I'm sure that we could. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, I really appreciate you guys letting me come on here. A lot of great talk. And uh, I know this thing's going to keep taking off. So you guys are doing a great job here. Absolutely. And Robbie, you're always welcome. I know you. I know your family. You guys are very well respected around not only the community, but obviously uh, held in high regards in, in, in every sense in my book. So uh, you are always welcome on the podcast. And uh, we always have a blast here, Jolan. We'll obviously be back next week. Uh, because we have just more and more storylines to just run through, and and I'm sure there's going to be you know two we'll, weeks a year. Yeah, I mean we got, got a this. we got a DUI in our future, not our future, but I, I'm sure somebody in the NFL is going to do something stupid soon. You know, it, we're getting towards that time. Training camp, Jolan will maybe we'll get out to some training camps this year. We'll do some live scouting ourselves and come back on the podcast. Um, and then again, Jolan, as we as we close here, we continue we continue the steam of mental health that is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, please go out there again, find somebody and be an advocate for somebody. Guys, it's not as simple for some people as just going to see a therapist. It's not, it's just not the environment that they need. They need you, they need their coaches, they need their leaders, they need people uh, to be around them and people to talk to them and people to say, you know, things are okay. I always say it, said it on this podcast, it sounds morbid. I'd much rather hear your story than attend your funeral. That's that's for damn sure. That sticks every month of the year, let alone this month, May. Uh, uh, mental health awareness. Uh, guys, always reach out. You can reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. Jolan, where might the people be able to find you? You can reach me at Instagram and Twitter, at good old Joel's. You can reach us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out. Or Air It Out.podcast, excuse me, and Instagram at Podcast Air It Out. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, feel free to reach us out to those. Rob, any closing statements? Where do people reach you? How are your sports teams looking? What you got planned for this year? Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram, Rob Meyer Six. Um, I am a guidance counselor uh, at a high school. Can definitely speak to the importance of mental health. Um, there's always somebody out there willing to listen to you. Um, you know, so it's important that you get the help. You're not alone in the battles. Everybody's going through something. Um, nothing's more important than your battle, right? So, um, you know, it's important to validate those feelings. And again, everybody, you know, there's always somebody out there that's willing to listen. You know, we certainly got some good guys here. Um, you know, so uh, it's, you know, that's, that's unfortunately some people think of that. It's a long-term solution for a short-term problem. You know, there's always answers to those things. So, um, yep. no, you know, I'm excited for, for the summer. Um, you know, we just finished up uh, our lacrosse season, had a nice season, really fortunate to coach at Pompton, great group of kids that I'm around, great community. The legend come um, home. Yep. And then looking forward to a, hopefully a good football season up at Butler. Uh, but really just looking forward to the summer. I think there's going to be a lot of fun storylines um, as we get into baseball season. Once we move into the, the training camps for football, um, and then, uh, again, before you know it, you guys will see me tweeting out about what draft pick we'll have in the top three by, <laughs> by the end of October. So, again, really, really, really appreciative you guys letting me come on here. Uh, thank you again. Definitely Ab- the last absolutely, time, and I definitely wanted to come back on and talk more about that mental health component. Um, obviously, we didn't mean to gloss over it here on this one. We could do a whole we show just, with you just talking about your life, bro. That's absolutely. <laughs> we, we got into a lot today. We'll have Robbie back on, not a doubt in my mind. Joel, on until next week, until episode 61. Let's go Celtics. Put it in the books.